Please pray with me. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. We pray, Lord, that you would so minister to us right now that anything that is weighing on us or distracting us, could we commit it to you and so receive from your word. For we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So a couple of years ago, I went on a, on, a, on a vacation with my friend Peter. And we took our motorcycles and we, we rode around the Cabot Trail. And if you've never done that, you need to do that. For those of you who have done that, you'll know that there are many, many places where you can pull off and just see incredible, breathtaking views. It's just one of the most beautiful places on the earth. Now, if I were alone, that's exactly what I would have done. I would have ridden for a while. I would have pulled off into one of these lookouts, and and I would have enjoyed it. Then I would have got back on the bike and gone to the next one. That's how I would, that's how I ride. But Peter, my friend, is more outgoing than me. So he would go and he'd stop and we'd take in the view and it would be gorgeous. And then he would see other people around and he would go over and he'd say, what a view, eh? And they'd say, yeah, it's amazing. And he'd say, where are you from? And they'd tell him. And then he'd say, I'm from St. John. I'm a retired carpenter. My friend over there, his name is Paul. He's an Anglican priest. He lives in Fredericton. Paul, come over here and meet these people. Says, you know, I'm very shy. And so going up, he'd be like, hi, nice to meet you. And the most amazing thing would happen is that a lot of these people would be troubled. Well, I remember one woman in particular, her, her husband and her son were both atheists. And they made fun of her for her faith. And she said, what do I do with this? How do I respond to this? It's breaking my heart. And we were able to talk and to pray. And I was able to suggest a couple of books to her to read to, to, in order how to you know, respond with love to atheists and that kind of thing. But time and time again, these opportunities to witness, to share Jesus with people and to pray with people just happened. And at one point, Peter said, Paul, do you mind that I'm telling people that you're an Anglican priest? And I'm like, well, dude, I'm on vacation. <laughs> and he said, but look at the conversations you're having. And I was like, you're right. This has been lovely. It's been life-giving. It's been encouraging. I needed a break from church administration. I did not need a break from sharing the love of Jesus with people. It was wonderful. We read the gospel today. I want to focus in on that first story where Jesus goes off to foreign territory, out of a Jewish country into a Gentile area. Why? He needed a break. Not from the kingdom, not from the good news, not from, from exciting things. He needed a break from those Pharisees who kept arguing with him and pressuring him and, and all that. He needed a break from that. And uh, we're going to look in this story today. What, what is this actually saying? A lot of people look at this story and say, how could Jesus call a group of people dogs? Seems kind of weird, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like the Jesus I'm familiar with. I was listening to a podcast recently and they said, these are the parts where, of Jesus' character that, that you kind of want to just sort of push off to the side. It doesn't sound like the one we're familiar with, but it's there. We can't dismiss it and be faithful. So 
what is happening in this passage and, and what are we to learn from this? And if you don't take anything else from today's sermon, take this. In prayer, we are to persevere. The character of God is good all the time. So how do we approach this passage? What is Mark trying to teach us about Jesus? So we begin at the beginning. Jesus left that place and he went into the vicinity of Tyre and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, but he couldn't keep his presence a secret. Jesus needed this break. And I already said the Pharisees were giving him a hard time. Last week we read that Jesus uh, got into a kind of a big fight with them where he said that all foods were clean. And Pharisees were like, no, it's our traditions It's our restrictions. It's all these things that we do that make us Jewish. That's what sets us apart. That's what saves us. And Jesus said, no, I'm the one who saves you. These are just traditions. But it is God who saves you in that relationship. But also early on in Mark, we learn that as people share the good news about Jesus, that Jesus can't go to city centers. He's forced to go to desolate areas. Maybe he went to this Gentile area so he could sleep in a bed. You know, it's right by the the Mediterranean coast, this area. So maybe he had a room with a view. You know, maybe he had a drink with an umbrella in it. I don't know. But he was doing something that, you know, we looked, why did Jesus need to do that? Maybe because he was modeling something for us. When we get overwhelmed, when we get worn out, what are we to do? Keep plugging away? No, actually, Jesus took time to get away, to rest, to get some perspective. This is a wonderful model for us of how we can address very stressful situations. We see a very human part of Jesus here. It's beautiful. He was also, um, we have to admit that the the Pharisees sent a group for a truth squad to check him out. And when Jesus said what he said, it could have very easily turned into a hit squad. Where they were going to stone him or, you know, try to arrest him. And it was too soon. So Jesus was lying low to allow things to cool down, possibly. So Jesus did hide from the Pharisees, possibly. But he could not hide from his own reputation. He couldn't keep this secret that he was present. I just think that this is a heartbreaking story where, you know, Jesus comes into the world to his own and they did not recognize him. And here we come into the part of the story where there's a woman who shouldn't know him, shouldn't trust him, she has no reason to, and yet she does. How refreshing, what a gift to Jesus. Verse 35, in fact, as soon as this woman heard about him, uh, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit, she came and fell at his feet, something you would do for your Lord or your master. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia, and she begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. I've heard a sermon on this passage that says that uh, this, thank God for this woman, because she stopped Jesus from, become, but from being a racist. And, I, and I, when I heard that sermon, Kimberly had to you know, calm me down a bit because I wanted to jump up and say, what? Jesus is love. There's not a racist bone in his body. God created all people. 
He created all of us. So there's got to be a better understanding of what's happening here. And when we approach scripture, the better understanding often happens from within the context of what we're reading it. Last week, we read that Jesus made all foods pure. He said that it's what comes out of the heart that makes a person unclean, not what we put into our bodies. It's the heart. And Jesus is calling us to this loving relationship with him. So what is happening here when this woman comes with a need? We expect Jesus to say, okay, I'll heal your daughter right away. This is awful. But that's not what happens. I think that what's happening here is that we're seeing the other side of the coin. Last week, Jesus said, don't trust in traditions and your practices and your habits and and even your, your, your cultural identity to be enough to save you. You need to trust in me. And I think what he's saying here is, do not believe the labels people put on you. Come to me. Is the Jewish attitude towards Gentiles enough to keep this woman away from Jesus? Or does she trust him enough to come in her need? Jesus' response, first, let, children, let the children, let Israel eat all they want. For it's not right to take the children's bread, the good news, the kingdom, Jesus himself, and then toss it to the dogs. What a shocking response. It doesn't sound like Jesus, but it does sound like a Jewish attitude of the day for those people. It's also difficult because this woman's priority is different from Jesus' priority. I don't know about you, but when I have a prayer that I need answered and it's not being answered, I go there. Why aren't you healing? Why aren't you saving? Why aren't you encouraging? In our Western context, we often think that we have to be polite in our prayers. But if you read the Psalms, you tell that the Jewish people never were polite in their prayers. They often say, wake up, God. This is not acceptable. Where are you? Where is your might at work? Wake up. When Jesus doesn't answer when we want or how we want, in those times God can feel foreign and strange to us rather than loving and intimate. So what we see in this passage is two things. Jesus has a plan at work. He does have priorities that go beyond us. But that doesn't mean that we disengage our prayer. It means we persevere in prayer. I think that in referring to Gentiles as dogs, Jesus was seeking to find if the labels put on this woman by the insiders were what defined her or if she could trust in Jesus fully. It really grieves me deeply when I hear my brothers and sister Christians say things like, I don't know my Bible well enough to engage in that ministry. Or I'm really struggling with this doubt or with this sin and I don't think I'm fit for fill in the blank. Because those things aren't our starting point. They never were meant to be our starting point. Jesus is our starting point. And it's not, am I good enough? It's, is Jesus able? That's where we begin. 
This woman did not feel entitled. And I just look at this conversation and I can see Jesus just delighting in it, though it sounds shocking. Uh, We had a... (laughs) On Wednesday when we had our Eucharist, uh, we had someone come that hasn't been here for a while. And I said, who let you in? Obviously the bouncer wasn't at the door. It sounds horrible, right? But it's the kind of teasing that expresses love. The engagement, banter. And the witty response this woman gives to Jesus, I think filled him with joy. She engaged with him. She started with Jesus. Not with what other people said about her. Not with other people's attitudes. But with Jesus. Sometimes we do feel forgotten or dismissed. Sometimes words from the past, they cling to us and they limit us. And the invitation here is to say, can we bring these things and start with Jesus and sort of let those things go and allow him to define what is possible and where he wants us to be? Jesus doesn't call us Gentiles dogs. What does he say? I have called you friends. And he's invited us into this life with him. If you are struggling with those words that people have said about you, or you're struggling with with the things that you don't do well enough to your standard, I want to encourage us all, start with Jesus. Start there. Don't give up praying or give up uh, seeing that his will is carried in and through you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for coming into our mess and showing us the way. I pray, Lord, that you would be our starting point, that how you view us will be what truly matters to us. For we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.